This is Moving Forward with Young Voices on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Happy to welcome James Chernowski back to the show. He is a senior policy and, well, he's a policy analyst at Libertas for a little bit longer. He's a senior contributor to Young Voices. And uh, can we toot your horn here a little bit, James? Uh, you're, you're moving to, to, a pretty, uh, to a pretty nifty position here, aren't you? Uh, yeah, um, I'm going to be transitioning off my role here at Libertas to uh, work on tech and innovation policy with Americans for Prosperity. So certainly looking forward to that uh, opportunity and should be fun. Well, here's I, I, I noticed that you and I are going to be talking today about a, a aspect of technology that may not be familiar to people unless you live you know, in a big city or particularly live more in an inner city setting. And uh, I, I had not heard of... Uh, Shot spotter technology very often. I think I'd read a couple stories over the years, but for for uh, people who aren't familiar with this technology, what is it and what is it used for? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, basically, what you see is a lot of a lot of major cities uh, try to integrate this technology because what it does is it analyzes sounds that are occurring within the city to identify if there might have been a shooting incident. Uh, to notify law enforcement, so that way they can potentially respond to the situation a lot faster and also potentially help them with figuring out what exactly happened in terms of, uh, you know, where that shot might have come from and who was the responsible culprit for the action. Well, I mean, that seems pretty reasonable, right? I mean, anything that uh, that helps them determine, you know, where a gunshot has been fired, I, I'm sure it would be helpful in establishing evidence and establishing clues in solving crimes. I noticed, though, that uh, in Chicago... There was an episode that arose out of this in which uh, there there was some confusion. Walk us through that. Yeah, so I think when it's all said and done, the, the problem with this technology is that you don't have uh, any – any reliability on it because you're just banking on whether or not this this thing actually works as as advertised and what happened in chicago was that there was this this man his name was sarah fan herring uh he was 25 years old in may of last year he got shot in the head and he uh he died a couple days later uh the chicago police eventually arrested this man named michael williams and they thought that he was the person responsible for the murder and a key piece of evidence that they used in this case was video surveillance footage showing William's car stopped in the area where the uh, the area where police say that they know Herring was shot. But they relied on shot spotter technology to actually identify this. And the problem was is that uh, that does not seem to be the case upon further examination of the facts of the situation. So the the uh, the prosecutors that are working this case actually had to withdraw the shot spotter evidence because they could not factually back up that claim. And that's that's very problematic because, again, this guy now he's on trial for his life and this technology was part of the reason that led to his arrest. And it's, it's very problematic to see. Is using this kind of technology in such a fashion. Man, I, on the one hand, I could see where this would be an absolute godsend for people in law enforcement, you know, trying to um, reconstruct a crime scene and, and figure out who's responsible. On the other hand, uh, the, it looks like this this was subject to I'm going to I'm going to be diplomatic and use the word massaging of of the uh, evidence there. And that that to me seems problematic that that almost looks that that's almost sounds like a solution looking for a problem. No, you're absolutely right. I think that it is. It's extremely problematic when we see that there is this technology that's not 
being used correctly, it has, you know, it's very flawed in nature. And the problem there is that, again, you have law enforcement being an early adopter of a technology. I think that, as you kind of said at the outset, I think everybody wants law enforcement to do a good job of, uh, you know, upholding the public health and safety of the people that they're responsible for protecting. And I think that while that's admirable, it can't come at any cost. This technology is kind of like a black box. We don't really know what what the efficacy of it is, other than that they, that they, that they say that this thing works as advertised. But I know that there was a study that was done on the ShotSpotter data uh, in Chicago, and that at one point they, they found that 89% of all the alerts in Chicago led to absolutely no evidence of a crime uh from that was that was tied to the shot spotter data so it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of uh, return on investment for really a significant amount of money that these cities are paying out for having this technology as a part of their repertoire for combating crime in their cities who normally would bear the responsibility for uh, for vetting that kind of technology i mean um, i'm looking at an article from vice that says obviously like a dna test they would not want to just yeah. use any old, oh, I picked one up at 7-Eleven on my way in. No, they want to use something they know is absolutely vetted, that it can be backed up in court. Is there any such process that exists for technology like ShotSpotter? Yeah, I think I think the problem is is that there, it does get vetted to some degree by, by somebody. But again, there's a lot of uh, faith in that interaction, I think. Uh, Utah actually had a similar experience just last year with a company called Banjo. Uh, where they were tapping into the state surveillance infrastructure and leveraging artificial intelligence to figure out where there might be a hotspot for crime so that law enforcement can respond faster to incidents. But the problem, again, is that there is no way of knowing whether or not the uh, technology actually held up its end of the bargain. It was just in simulations that we knew that this allegedly worked out well in the case of Banjo. And in the case of ShotSpotter, too, there's very limited evidence that talks about its ability to be effective and I think that people extend that to, to having a lot more faith in it than they probably should uh, and rely on it a lot more than they should. I, again, I think that technology is a very powerful tool, but when we start relying on it to the point of it becoming a crutch, then I think it undermines the ability of law enforcement to effectively do their job where they want to protect the public. Again, I think that we just have to have a very practical conversation about how we should be utilizing these technologies especially from a law enforcement side, because when they get it wrong, the costs that are being put on these people, especially minorities, more often than not, it seems like, are astronomically high. Yeah, it, I'm I'm glad that you're speaking out on this. And, you know, on the one hand, I want the police to have the tools they need to solve crimes. But if those tools can be um, altered, or at least, the, I'm sorry, the data from those tools can be altered, which in, in the case you talked about earlier, where... Um, a firecracker, or at least what, what the the artificial intelligence identified as a firecracker, was later reclassified as a gunshot. Oof, I don't know. Human nature being what it is, it seems like it'd be awfully tempting to take a shortcut here and there if you're, you know, if you run into a brick wall trying to solve a crime. Yeah, and and again, I think that at least with the process of shot spotter, it has the the algorithmic aspect of it to, to identify what should be a, a shot, and then they have a human component too. I think that that's completely understandable, but Again, I think that that means that we have to have an honest conversation about what the actual capabilities of the technology are, because if law enforcement is actually relying on it in this fashion uh, and we're not being honest about what the the shortcomings are, then it it leads for a very misleading situation. I think in the article, uh, a person from the company said that the shot spotter technology has been used in over 100 cases 
And to me, that's not necessarily a good thing when we have all this 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 talk about how ShotSpotter has had this augmentation of how the data itself has shown up. So I don't necessarily think that that's a good thing that we want to see. I think that we need to have a very practical conversation about if we're going to have this technology, what guardrails are going to be put in place, especially if we're intending to use it as, a, as evidence in prosecuting uh, people that are presumed innocent until proven otherwise. Uh, I think that we need to have a good threshold that, that respects people's rights and due process uh, in, in that process. Uh, James, we're, we're down to our last minute here. Let's briefly mention um, a new book. You, you shared a tweet with me that uh, you know was, was talking about a book, Eyes to the Sky. What's, what's the deal with this book? Yeah, so this is a great book uh, by Matthew Feeney over at Cato. He got myself and a few other people together to go and, and write about the problems that face uh, drone policy here in the United States. So I was fortunate enough to afford the opportunity to write a chapter on that. The book itself is officially live for pre-orders on Amazon. So that's that's awesome to see. And it will go out on August 24th. So I'm personally very excited about this. I've never uh, had that opportunity before. So it's, it's really cool. <laughs> OK, I, it sounds exciting. It sounds like you've got uh, a lot of exciting work ahead of you. We're talking with uh, Young Voices senior contributor James Chernowski. James, how can people follow you on Twitter or otherwise access your work? Yeah, I think if they want to follow me on Twitter, it's at jamescz19. That's where I'll always share my latest uh, hits and, and, and writings. I think if people want to also look at me on the Young Voices website, too, they will also find my work there. Okay. Thank you very much. Hope we talk again soon. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on.